Hi, everyone, and welcome back to The Kids Are Not Alright, a lighthearted sister-run podcast about family separation and all the messy bits in between. In today's episode, we are joined by Bruce Fredenberg. Bruce is a licensed marriage and family therapist and life coach on a mission to help families resolve painful problems. In addition to his role as a psychotherapist, Bruce serves children and adults experiencing separation as a co-parenting and child specialist, a collaborative divorce coach, and reunification therapist. Bruce is also the co-author of the book Home Will Never Be the Same Again, a guide for adult children of gray divorce, alongside Dr. Carol Hughes, who we spoke to in one of our more recent episodes. Welcome, Bruce, to The Kids Are Not All Right. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you for inviting me. Um, as we mentioned to Carol, your book was truly a great source of um, help for Sophia and I. Um especially in the times, the initial few months when we were just looking for any help out there and we're on that self-help journey and having the book um, made a huge difference to us. And, and we also highly recommend it to, to all of our listeners. Well, well, again, thank you very much. It's really nice to hear that. In, in our episode with Carol, we kind of, you know, we covered the, uh, the great divorce revolution. We spoke about kind of the lack of research that exists in this field and how difficult it was for us to, to find self-help help books. Um, and we also spoke about some of the more, you know, common struggles that adult children of divorce face. Um, so I guess before we get, we, we kind of get into it and just out of curiosity, how did you get into this field and why did you think it was so important to collaborate on a book like this? Well, it's, it, it wasn't like an immediate decision. It, uh, I've been right. working with, uh, with divorce, uh, people going through divorce, uh, usually in a non-adversarial process uh, and either as a mediator or under collaborative law, collaborative uh, practice. And so about 2003, um, so I grouped some attorneys, a couple of attorneys and uh, therapists had approached me about, you know, this new thing called collaborative practice and, you know, how it could help people. And it turned out Carol, even though Carol and I are in the same suite, we a lot of times don't see each other because the door's closed and we're in with clients. And so it turned out we both showed up at the same meeting, but we'd been invited by different people just to find out what it was. And that led to eventually the group forming and deciding to get trained in doing this. And it's an international movement to help families solve problems without uh, destroying themselves. And so I've been doing that work for, uh, for the last 20 years or so. Uh, and and looking back at my practice, a number of clients at times, their pain would come from either their badly done divorce, like a lot of hostility, anger, litigation, or the, how their parents' divorce affected them. And then working in, with this population uh, specifically uh, with with teams over the last 20 years, it's, it's not all of my practice, but part of my practice, would hear these stories over and over. You know, so we'd been paying attention to that. And then when she got contacted by the uh, reporter from the uh, New York Times to interview her on this this topic, and then they asked her to write a book, she called me and asked me if I'd be interested in writing it with her because we do a lot of things together. And so I, I knew about this and it, it resonated and I could hear the pain. But as we started to research more and more, we found that it's not just an underserved population. It's an unserved population. And then as you've discovered. And so 
we decided this was really a good topic to pursue. And so it's real pain for real people who constantly are told that they should just get over it. You know, it's lucky it didn't happen to you when you were, you were a child. And, and then adult children themselves will often feel guilty for feeling bad about whatever they're feeling bad about. Um, why, why are you so upset? It's just your family that's disappeared. That's been your whole universe, your whole life. I mean, that's, it's like waking up in the, you know, in the morning and finding three suns in, in, you know, a blue moon up there. And what planet am I on? Like a horror story that doesn't go away. And, and, and you know, that's kind of an exaggeration, but not really because for people who are going through it, it is your whole life. I mean, you're, that's been your background. And a lot of times, like the important things in our life are like, uh, like oxygen. A lot of times I'll ask people, what's the most important thing in your life? And if they have kids, they'll say kids, or they'll say my family. And and I'll always say, well, that's a nice try, but it's not. And when I tell you the answer, you'll, you'll know. And then they'll say, okay, what is it? And I say oxygen. And if you don't believe me, stick your head underwater for two minutes and you won't even remember your kids' names. You won't even know who your mother is. You just desperately want, want the oxygen, right? And so this thing that's so precious, we can't be without for even a few minutes. We never give a thought to it because it's just always been there. Mm. To me, that's the metaphor I use for children and adult children whose parents are divorcing. Some people even said, oh, I always wanted my parents to divorce or I wish they'd divorce. But, you know, what I find for most people, the reality is of something hard is much different than the, what actually happened. I, in the foreword of the book, I talked about how I, there was a time when my mother had told me she was going to divorce my father and asked me not to tell anybody else in the family, which was awkward mm-hmm. and made me feel guilty and, and different things. And then eventually she, because of the health schemes and health providing schemes in the United States, my mother realized that she would probably never get insurance on her own. So she abandoned the idea of divorce. But I remember being struck by that, of uh, how I thought about my parents. I'd often said, you know, how these people ever get married? They fought a lot. But I never really thought, I mean, I guess I thought about it. But just the reality of just her telling me that was a shock to me. It was different than I thought I would react. So yeah, I just always imagine that people are having those kind of reactions. You know, the real thing is much harder than you ever imagined. Absolutely. I think I think uh, that's actually a really nice way to put it um, when you link it to the idea of oxygen and taking it for granted. And I and I do think that that completely reflects, I think, both for Sophia and myself yeah. growing up um, and even well into my adolescence and young adulthood. I never even considered that our family would be a family to separate. Separation was what happened to other families and it was sad, but how could it ever happen to ours? Because we were so close and harmonious and, you know, always together. You don't even consider it as an opportunity, as an, not an opportunity, but as an option of what might be possible. So when it does happen, obviously, I think part of that initial shock is exactly what you were describing, which is like, you literally, it feels like your world has been turned upside down and you're questioning not only the core of, you know, how you were raised and in what kind of environment and why, <laughs> but also you're actually questioning the core of who you are as a person now, as a result of that, um, because you've so deeply ingrained that sense of family as part of your own identity, you know, which I, which I think is probably quite a unique experience also for adult children of divorce, um, maybe also compared to children of divorce or minor children of divorce. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on maybe some key differences between minor children of divorce and adult children of divorce? 
uh, and the, the differences in experiences that there are? Yeah, that, that's a, a good question. You know, especially if there's adult children and minor children at the same time, you can see the difference because the adult children did get the benefit of the whole family growing up and that, you know, intact thing that you can just take for granted. And the younger siblings aren't getting that. Um, but but then again, the question about adult children, they're not a monolithic group. The, the younger ones, people in college, when this is happening, you know, they're still dependent on the family most, you know, or even early in their career. And they're going to have feelings typically like, you know, what's going to happen to me? Um, are my parents, um, you know, they're, they were going to help me and now I'm getting ready to go home for the holidays. There's no home to go home to. Are they still going to be able to help me? Or, or what if mom or dad's new best friend, new lover, like if that if there is one, are you know, are they going to support me being helped? You know, and, and or how am I going to help my parents? There's all kinds of things. You know, the word dysfunctional family is kind of a strange word because, you know, what might be dysfunctional in one culture is maybe just fine in another. Like Americans are often real big on, you know, you've got a certain age, you go, you hit the road, you know, you know, you're 18 now, you're on your own. Like that could work, you know. Yeah. Um, and but then in, in other cultures where it's really normal for the kids to sometimes live with the parents or stay stay real well connected in the united states so people you know many people have moved away from their family of origin because it's a big country and and you're maybe had that experience you two grew up in, in asia mainly as i recall and so you know you know that difference in how their family structure things and, and european structure things um i think because a lot of people stay in the same place you know you're you know the family you know the people in the town people grow up whereas United States, not everybody knows everybody. So it can, can be very confusing. There can be not much support. And then that, that sense of, uh, uh, I guess there's something wrong with me because I feel bad. Yeah. And, uh, and, and people tell me I shouldn't feel bad. I don't recall if you two have had those feelings at all, but I would not be surprised if you did. Yeah, I think we definitely have have had those feelings. Um, and I also think that I have had a concern I guess this kind of leads me into the next question. I have this concern of how this will impact me in the long, in the long term. Um, And because I always think, you know, if you are a a child of divorce, not an adult child of divorce, maybe it impacts you in a different way. So how can parent, how, how can a parent separation or divorce impact adult children in the long term? I mean, does that also just depend on when it happens to us or are there, you know, some common themes? Well, we have heard that it's not uncommon for people to say some version of, was it all smoke and mirrors? You know, did I, did I, how could I miss that? Or, you know, my family just is, was it all a lie? Mm-hmm. Uh, it can, happy memories can become sad memories, trying to, to work that stuff out. And then when people wonder if, like, am I going to divorce? You know, like, um, you know, my parents divorced. And, well, I did see a statistic earlier this year that one of the factors in divorce is if, if somebody has already divorced, then they are more likely to have a divorce than, than people who've never divorced, just because maybe that's just the programming in the family. Mm-hmm. But that's not everybody. And I, I always like to remind people that you're the only thinker in your own mind. So you can decide what you want to believe about yourself and what you want to do and, and what you want to have happen. 
I think the first thing is to become aware of the fact that you're, you're having these, these questions and then deciding for yourself how you want to deal with that possibility or that not possibility or, you know, um, mm-hmm. can anybody say for sure they, they won't, but you can also say, well, I'm not going to, if I do, it's not going to be for that reason about my, my dad or my mom or whatever it was, you know, and I am a different person and right. my mate is a different person and my relationship is, and, and I'm going to be paying more attention to my relationship and, in fact, every divorcing couple, well, I can't say I can't say every, but I can't remember anyone that wasn't. Let me put it that way. I'll ask people a question. One is, what is, what did you notice at the beginning of the relationship that you then pretended to yourself not to notice because you didn't want to give up the good stuff that you were having with the person? And if, you know, before you got married, maybe you dated other people. I suspect you have. And maybe you had some relationships that, you know, started off really nice and sweet all of a sudden some something that you didn't expect happened or bad and if you look back you can usually identify what was it you noticed at the beginning and right and everybody's got that or many people have that stuff but but if you identify it then you can start doing something ahead of time to make sure that that, that doesn't go on yeah 100 percent. i mean i think for me i i always had i kind of had that fear at the very beginning and now i'm kind of almost see it in a weird way as a gift because I know what I want in my future relationship and what I don't want in my future relationship and and how I kind of want to go about you know communication with my family members or you know all these like things that someone who maybe doesn't have parents that are separated or going through divorce think thinks about really um and it took me a long time to kind of make that switch in my head because at the beginning I was more you know I was quite worried and I was like god like I hope this doesn't happen to me and I don't want this to you know but I think now I kind of see it as as a lesson that I can learn a lesson that in a way they've given me that I can kind of learn from and what I want to do with that if, if that makes any sense um I really agree with Sophia in the sense of this has given me a chance, not necessarily to learn from mistakes because they might not even apply to me in my relationship, but it has really given me the chance to reflect and be self-aware of what I need in my relationship with my husband. Um, And it also actually has started an exercise for me to reflect on um, as an adult child of divorce now, officially, that's the label that we have as a result of our parents' decision, which we have to respect. It's not our relationship. Um, It has given me the opportunity to reflect on, okay, what does that now also mean in terms of my relationship and how I want to consciously build that in relation to this new family dynamic? Um, And that's specifically also, obviously, the relationship to my sisters, the relationship individually with my mom, individually with my father, but also collectively with them as parents, which to be quite honest, is still a bit of a struggle for me. It's hard for me to actually, to be honest, it's hard for me to be together alone with them. It overwhelms me still. It's, it's hard for me to, you know, to have this logical separation of these are my biological parents. (laughs) They're my mother and my father, but they're not my parents symbolically anymore because they're not together. And so to come to the question that I have after this monologue. Um, no, that was great. A good intro. Okay. <laughs> um, in your experience, and you also do a lot of work around family dynamics, obviously. Mm-hmm. As an adult child of divorce, what are some of the th- pieces of advice that you would give to me when it comes to really taking this definition of what is family now into my own hands? Um, and also when it comes to how do I want to communicate 
what boundaries do I want to set? I mean, the whole spectrum, where, where do I even start? I think that would just be really helpful to understand from your experience. Okay, well, thanks. Um, as you recall, we have a whole chapter on boundaries. In exactly. Mm. And I found it as I was doing my part, writing that part of the chapter, it was the researching, but also just thinking of my own experiences. Boundaries can solve a lot of problems. But, but, but at the time when your family's coming apart, uh, whatever the boundaries were that, you know, that some spoken, but a lot not spoken at all. So, you know, everybody just knew what, who was supposed to do what, or who could be relied on for what, or what we don't do in our family, or what we do do in our family. Because even going to relatives' homes, they do things differently, you know. So we're all aware of those things. But when your parents are going through a divorce for a while, maybe more than a while, but, you know, nobody really knows which of those boundaries, which of those agreements that everybody had in the family that knew um, how many of those are still viable? How do they work? There's a lot of sometimes one parent will need more help and they'll want to use their adult child as their confidant. And so one of the things we suggest is to hand, hand them the book and say, read, you know, this really would help me, you know? But, you know, like I tell the parents uh, when I get a chance is don't turn your kid into your confidant. If you need somebody to talk to, go to your best friend or go to a therapist. Or, or clergy, whatever, whoever it is, but don't make your kid have to figure that out for you because your parents are always going to be your parents. So Bruce, another question that we actually had um, for you, and I guess it also kind of links to advice um, for adult children of divorce, are the holidays and and how you kind of navigate that. I mean, for us, this has actually been a really big topic um, just of conversation because, you know, we're Germans and we love Christmas. And, um, you know, I think especially living abroad, you kind of use Christmas as an opportunity to come together. Like it's, it's like the epitome of, of, of the celebration of family. And, and, um, you know, my mom, our mom takes it very, very seriously. And, um, yeah, I mean, this is, this has been like a really big discussion in our family and something that we've definitely had to get used to. And I kind of just wanted to get your advice on how you think adult children of divorce can kind of navigate that. So the reality of your life is that you've, you've identified that your mom values Christmas more than your dad, or at least emotionally, that's what's going to be meaningful for her. And that's a good place to start. Uh, start with the real people the way they are in your life, not as you want them to be, but what if they, what if they are. So people will sometimes try to impose this template over the holiday, how it's supposed to be. And it, and it doesn't work. If that template doesn't work and they'll do that and they'll try to force it in there where it doesn't. And so it ruins what could have been a decent occasion with the real people as they actually are, because you're trying to impose this template that's not going to fit, you know? And so people already are set up for disappointment because their family doesn't resemble that. And then if you go into a family that's having this wound, and try to impose that, that template. You just made it harder on yourself. So start by doing it with people that you, you know, at least don't dislike or, you know, maybe even like. And then, you know, if that goes well, then maybe next year you can invite somebody that you don't mind as opposed to, you know, really like or not. You might say this worked out okay. You know, we'll try it. But, but, but pay attention to the real people that you have there and the opportunity of, of being together with, you know, with your mom and with your sister and, Know your spouses and, and this opportunity to have a good time with them 
and don't beat yourself up, which is easy to say, but you know, just remind, you know, you're the only thinker in your own mind and you can decide that this is a good thing that's happening. It's not what I had before, but it is a good thing. And well, I mean, it's a whole different problem than if you had to have Christmas because something happened to your mom versus you're you're able to have I mean that's yeah bring up but it's a good thing to put it in perspective with, you know? hundred percent. Yeah, this is such a good point. And I also think it, there's opportunity. It's important to recognize that it's also an opportunity to reinvent traditions and and to to change things, but maybe in a good way. And I think we definitely had that in our last few Christmases where we were like, okay, let's not do it the way that we've done it for all these years because it's just going to be painful. But let's create new traditions and create new memories that we can then try to, you know, uphold in these new ways. And I think um yeah it, it's it's again that kind of about letting go of the past and trying to move forward and that's not necessarily a bad thing it can also be a good thing um one of the things that it also is important for the new traditions but i think for your the whole situation that you're in and really anybody going through something like this be really gentle with yourself and everybody else who's being affected by this because not not any one of you had any rehearsal for this. You hadn't had any planning for this. You didn't have any training for how to do that. The gentleness is something I, I always encourage people to do. And also the idea of, you know, if you're the only thinker in your own mind, um, notice your self-talk and, and ask yourself, is my self-talk generally supporting my hopes or my fears? Hmm. And which one do I want to feed? Oh, no. I was going to say, I really like your advice of, of being gentle. So with yourself and I, and that's something that I'm definitely learning. And I think especially as an adult child of divorce that you kind of also have that stigma of, well, I'm an adult, like I should be able to handle this in an adult way. And I can, you know, and, and, and in my moments of weakness, I get angry with myself that I'm, I'm not getting over this, that I'm, that I'm not, you know, just moving on with my life. And I think, you know, I need to be also be more gentle with myself um, as I go through this. Yeah. I think, I think this really speaks to the power of mindset again, which I actually think is a really nice way um, to it's, it's, I think it's a really nice call to action, actually, also for me personally, um, which is this whole thing of step one, self-awareness, step two, well, self-awareness and then ownership for having clarity on how you want your new family dynamics, what you want your new family dynamics to look like as a result, what kind of relationships you want with your parents and with your sister, et cetera. And then really actually almost envisioning that, um, and putting it out there in the universe, <laughs> not just theoretically, but also, and really taking the action, the steps that you need to take to get there, taking ownership for that and moving forward with that. And I think there's a point where, you know, as an adult child of divorce, it's now clear to me, there's a point where I also need to stop being in a, in a role of feeling victimized by these circumstances. And there's a point where you just need to move forward and um, I think that there's a really big opportunity to actually do that together as a family. You don't have to do that alone, I think. Um, yeah. And always remember to forgive yourself and be gentle with yourself, because when you first start doing this, you're not going to be very good at it. Just like you weren't very good at whatever, almost anything you learned. You know, I, I figured out one time that learning to walk 
Um, if you've ever watched little kids, you know, the first time they get up, they're all excited. Yeah. And the giants and the, the, we're, we're living in the land of the giants. So we're little kids and they go, oh, goo goo or good girl, whatever they say. And, you know, they're all excited. And then you fall down and you're shocked. Depending how padded you were, you cry or you don't. Uh, but you really wanted to do it. So you kept getting up. And so I figured out on probably on average at the beginning, you probably fell down somewhere between five and 10 times a day. And to get to the point where you could be a toddler, that probably was like a year and a half or a year of doing it just to get kind of good at it, gradually falling down less. So over the course of maybe a year, a year and a half, you probably fell down somewhere between 1,700 and maybe a couple of thousand times. But you really wanted to walk. So you didn't let that get in the way that you didn't succeed. You just kept doing it till you did it. So I would suggest to take that approach with everything that you're new at. You know, don't expect yourself to be really good at it, but just continually forgive yourself. You're doing the best you can. You're doing the best that anybody, everybody's doing the best they can. And yeah. it's going to do it better this time. And I, it's, I know that's easier said than done, but it's sure better than just beating yourself up all the time. You know? Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Bruce, for all this advice. It's really um, valuable to to us and I'm, I'm sure also our listeners. And um, yeah, just also to say that all the things that we've been talking about today are mostly in in the book Home Will Never Be the Same Again, um, which you wrote with Carol. So um, I also advise our listeners to to have a look at that. Um, it was really, really helpful for us. And yeah, thank you for all of your your advice and your wisdom. Uh, we really, really appreciate you coming on and also chatting to us. Um, and yeah, it's been great. Well, it was a real pleasure for me. So if you ever wanted me to come back, I'd be willing to come back. I don't know. Maybe I already told you everything I know. I just have a feeling there's a wealth of information there, Bruce, and then we're going to come back to, to for some of it. <laughs> That would be great. But I tell people, I tell all my clients one way or another, somewhere I'll, I'll told you the same things and some people run with it and some people don't, you know, so, but at least you got some of it. So. Thank you. Um, and yeah, thank you to our listeners for tuning in this week and we'll see you in our next episode. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye.